Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 528. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Roberta Ross from Six Figure Real Estate Coach, Inc. Roberta has been an entrepreneur since 19 when she started her first business out of her dorm room. And there's been so much that has happened since then. But before we jump in, listeners, I just want to let you know that we might have a little bit of accompaniment this morning from my lawn guy. So just bear with us. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be done soon. But Roberta, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Kim. I'm so delighted to be here with you. I'm so inspired. I mean, especially considering what we were just talking about. Listeners, I was just sharing with Roberta that I'm going to a speaker training in the next couple of weeks. I know this is like running off of what I normally do, but how did it in your bio, you told me that you did 120 speeches in a single year. You're married, you're a mom, you have your business. How? And would well, you want to do that again, actually? Sorry, I stacked that second question on. Well, that's a great question. So I wore myself out doing that. So no, I wouldn't want to do that again. It was a great experience for honing the speaking skills, you know, because I was talking constantly. But, you know, I was in a very different mode then. And I used to believe that success came from working very hard. And, you know, success was all about freedom, but the path to it was working hard so you could make the money to afford being you know, having the freedom. And so I ran myself into the ground. And that year where I gave 120 speeches was, you know, at the height of really picking myself up by the bootstraps and pushing through. And then my bootstraps wore out. And one day I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. And I was just laying there for months. I had been speaking and coaching. And, you know, prior to that, my husband and I, we had bought and sold over 300 investment properties. I had coached over a 1000 people. And, you know, I also also was the number one salesperson for a marketing software company. And I had broken all the company records the first year and was the top earner the second year. And it was just push, 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 push. And then suddenly I'm laying there And it wasn't like you have a cold or a flu, you know, where there's symptoms, (laughs) there's just no energy. And I remember thinking, you know, is this how my children are going to remember their mother as somebody who just lays in bed all the time and their father brings her meals? Mm. So, but it was a gift. It was a gift. It was a real eye opener. And it gave me an opportunity to really examine what does it really mean to be successful? And I'm so grateful because it led me on this whole transformational journey of discovering what true success is. And it's been transformational for me and has had an amazing ripple effect to the people around me and my coaching clients. So it's really, I really am grateful. I can feel that sentiment exactly. I didn't have adrenal fatigue and I didn't have that where I couldn't move and, you know, I was in bed. But my experience was that I ended up becoming suicidal. 
in the summer of 2016 because I had not been sleeping more than two to three hours a night for almost a year and a half. And it was not because of my babies. My twins were very young then, but my husband did most of the baby stuff. But I was in the same mindset. I thought hustle and grind were good things and, you know, sacrifice sleep to finish this project and take on all the work that you can to make more money because it will all be worth it in the end and say yes to everybody and just keep on going, 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 Kim. There's no time to rest. Just go. And then it was just crash. I mean, I I couldn't get out of bed because I was too depressed and anxious to get out of bed, but I could move. Mm. I just didn't Mm -hmm. want to. I just wanted to pull the blankets up over me and hide. Yeah. So a lot of that is physiologically driven. Like it feels emotionally driven because you feel down. But I think a lot of it is just physical from, you know, like in your case, not sleeping. That is enough just to make anybody depressed, you know, because you don't have the energy, you know, but it's interesting in our culture, we're taught that, you know, to be worthy of your success, you know, you have to suffer. And that success is for people who work hard. And the harder you work, and the more you suffer, the more worthy you are. And so here I was, you know, the thing that I thought was my secret sauce, I was having all this grit, and I could just pick myself up, you know, by the bootstraps and carry on. It it was the very thing that was taking me down, you know, so it really caused me to reflect. And I did that in a number of ways. One of them, I had a a book that had sat on my shelf for 13 years, A Course in Miracles. And I was laying there in bed and I pick it up and I remember I just had dabbled looking at it in various parts. And this time I just started with page one and it ended up being like a two-year journey of studying it every day and two-year daily journey. I still study it now, but it just led me to looking at what does it really mean to be successful? And I used to think that it was all about the money, not that I was all about money, but that that's what afforded the success to do what you wanted to do. And I also thought as a coach, that's what everybody else wanted, which they do. But we really all want much more than that. So it led me from focusing on helping people just make more money to being on a mission to helping them make more money, experience more joy and succeed with ease. And I really have this philosophy that if it doesn't include all three, I kind of call it this trilogy of success, then can you really call it success? You know, because we see in society, all these people who do all these amazing things, they're winning awards, they're making money, we're looking at their number of transactions and their sales volumes and all that. And, you know, in order to get there, a lot of people, they trash their health, you know, like in my case, or they trash their marriages or their relationships or their integrity, you know, and can we really call that success? And my answer is no. I agree. Mine is not the trilogy of success. I think it's called a Venn diagram. And the intersection of mine is support systems and self-care. And that's what I've decided. I mean, those are the pillars that make up positive productivity to me. Because if to me, if we don't have all three set up, then we're um, a two-legged tripod. And we're going to (laughs) topple over in one direction or another. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get political here, but, and I'm definitely not going to get into who I voted for, but I've, (laughs) you know, I remember as a child, my parents taking my sisters and I to New York City. We went to the Trump Tower and I was just so amazed and learning about Trump and his 
his wealth and how he built it was always amazing. But now that he's president and seeing how, you know, I've heard that his wife sleeps in a separate bedroom and I've seen her like sort of swat away his hand and he's ridiculously wealthy. And I'm like, but is it worth it? You know, you've got all this and there's stories about, I'm not up at one o'clock in the morning to see that he tweets all night long. Okay, that's a lie. Sometimes I am up at one o'clock in the morning, but I do get my eight hours of sleep. Okay, just being totally honest here. But there is like the small portion of the population that can survive and thrive on one to two hours of sleep a night. But the other 98% of us need sleep. And I'm not trying to say how his life goes. I've never had a conversation with him and I doubt I ever will. But I'm wondering, you know, is he truly happy and quote successful? Yes, he's the president. But is he lit up by that? And to me, I wouldn't be because if my husband wasn't there holding my hand and you know, sleeping in my bed and supporting me all the way, it definitely wouldn't feel like success to me. It doesn't matter how much money there is. I think the biggest question, you know, in terms of, you know, are we happy? And I think this is a big part of it because I grew up, I was a very serious child and then serious about my business. And, you know, there's certainly happy moments, but I would say I've never been happier than I am now. I feel almost blissfully happy most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. I think what it comes down to as far as having a business that's aligned with who you are so that you're really enjoying that experience of your business and where you feel that things are flowing to you with ease and really having a happy life, it really comes down to one critical decision. And that is, you know, are you going to be an inner world person or an outer world person? You know, are we going to live conditionally or unconditionally? And when we, you know, we're taught to live in an outer world way. So, you know, even looking at how someone else is living is really looking outside of ourselves. You know, when we, an outer world person is always concerned with what other people are thinking about us or how we are doing in relationship to somebody else, you know, always in that comparison mode. Whereas an inner world person is really tapped into what's going on within, you know, always recentering and focusing on what's true for them. And, taking responsibility for their own state of mind. You know, an inner world person lives successfully, unconditionally, and is unconditionally happy, meaning that there's no conditions outside of us that need to change, including who's in the White House. You know, it really comes down to that. And I find that as we take the reins and really get centered in how we're feeling, you know, what's going on within our own world and our own business and our own mindset that that empowers us to be the most creative and to live the most abundant. Thank you so much. I love that you brought up all of that. And I've noticed my, I have to just put it out there that my social media habits before the election and after the election drastically changed. But that was also about the same time that I went through my own transformation. And I realized Number one, I needed to unfollow people or just unfriend. Yeah, unfriend, unfollow people that I was only following or friending for comparison because that wasn't Mm. healthy. Mm -hmm. And then I needed to spend a lot less time on there and focus on me, my family and my business and 
and actually taking that time for content creation. I know that there's listeners who think that posting on social media is content creation, and it, and it is. But you don't need to spend hours scrolling through everybody else's feed. In comparison, yeah. in comparison cycles, it's not healthy. Well, I think it was Mark Twain who said that comparison is the death of joy. And, mm. you know, it's very, it's a very powerful statement. I think that uh, it's not only the death of joy, but it's also the death of prosperity for a lot of business people. So it's not about not paying attention and not knowing what's going on, or even being inspired by other people who are doing things well. But it's really about determining who you are, why you're here and moving forward from that place. So in a business context, I encourage people who, whether you're a solopreneur or you're running a big organization to get out of this competitive mode. You know, we're taught to to be competitive or if you want to be successful, you've got to be competitive. But when you really look at what it means to be competitive, it's really about always, it's always in relationship to what somebody else is doing. And so there's always that comparing, right? Who's ahead, who's doing more, who's, and what happens when we're constantly checking on what other people are doing and from a comparison standpoint, like, well, I'm missing out on something or I'm falling behind, you know, when it's all fear-based, then, you know, we, we actually create a separation between who we are and what it is that we're doing. You know, it's sort of like without realizing it, we go down some rabbit hole or chase a squirrel that isn't in line with what we're really trying to do in our business. Oh my gosh, so rather yeah. than yeah. competing, I would encourage everybody. I find that it's, it's so much more impactful to create, you know, stop competing, start creating and start thinking, well, what is the business that I'm actually creating? I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a billionaire and they, he was asked, you know, how should people plan on their exit? And he said, don't plan on your exit plan on really creating a great company. Wow. And I thought, wow, that is a really powerful. And that's what a lot of times we do. It's like we're so trying to control every factor that could possibly happen that we forget even what we're truly passionate about, what we're creating, even the quality of what we're creating. So a competitor is always comparing and looking behind them and who's around and what are they doing and and making decisions based on that. And he said the same thing is when you're planning for an exit, you're always making your business decisions in relationship to what you think may happen sometime down the road instead of being really present right now in the moment looking at your business and what's the most important thing for your business next? How can you make what you're doing truly exceptional and meaningful and useful? And that's what a creator does. A creator is, is goes where they're inspired and looks to turn, you know, this is what I love about being an entrepreneur. You know, the idea that you can go from having nothing, you know, like a business that didn't even exist is turned, is created into something that not only exists, but has this amazing ripple effect, you know, and influences lives in so many, hopefully positive ways. I mean, depending on what it is you're creating, obviously. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And especially the last part about entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, because I've been encouraged multiple times. I'm an Infusionsoft certified partner. I've been encouraged to work with larger businesses and even corporations to help them get their automated marketing up. But I'm just not 
called to that. I love the fluidity. Is that the right word that I'm looking for? You can tell me in a second. It's a good word. <laughs> yeah. I tend to make up words sometimes. I know I didn't make that word up, but I tend to make up words or use See, them entirely wrong. See, you're a creator. Wrong. You're a creator, Kim. <laughs> but I love the fluidity that comes along with solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small businesses, because they don't have the hierarchy that they're working with and dealing mm-hmm. with on a daily basis. And, you know, corporations, yes, they can be soul-centered, but they don't have the ability to turn on a dime when they feel like something's just not feeling right. I don't want to say even that it's just not going right because sometimes it just doesn't feel right and we have the ability to change. And Daniel Laporte was actually, was my Course in Miracles. I haven't read A Course in Miracles. It will be in the show notes, listeners. I'm going to have to read it now. (laughs) But I was all about deadlines and, you know, income definitely not impact. And then I read the desire map and setting goals from what felt good rather than how my bank was going to look was, it was not even thinkable to me before all of that. And then when I read it, I was just like, whoa, is that possible? I don't know, but let's see. And so I have projects that I've been sitting on for two years that some of them just haven't gone out because they're not right yet. Others I will admit, haven't gone out because I was scared to let them go out. I'm finally letting them go, like to the public. I'm not dropping them. Mm -hmm. But it feels so good knowing that I didn't push myself to do it before I was ready because I think that working from a place of fear and scarcity is never going to be good. Yeah, you know, I always say to everybody, the the reason why most – entrepreneurs and most people don't accomplish their goals or what they want really comes down to that is because every well the reason why they don't is because they their decisions are often rooted in fear and every decision that we make I mean everything we think everything we do everything we say all our business decisions are rooted either in truth or fear and you know if you make your business decisions based on what you fear, what's the likelihood you're going to get what you want? Well, it's very low. But if you make your business decisions based on what you want, the likelihood of you getting what you want is very high. And it seems so simple. And yet, most people make fear-based business decisions, and it doesn't take them to where they want to go. And that really ties into the whole competitive thing. So if you're looking at your competition to learn from them or to be inspired, then that's a truth. You know, you're seeking out the truth and you're wanting to learn and you're wanting information. But if you're looking at your competition in terms of how you're doing, well, now you've just disconnected, right? You just disconnected from yourself and you start making decisions based on what your competition is doing instead of what it is that you want. And that's so easy to get good. It just takes us on a trajectory of more of unwanted. And so the art of it is really shifting back, you know, to the center and looking at everything as the opportunity that it is. And being able to say, okay, well, where's the value in this information? And then what is it that I want? You know, and even filtering every decision we make is this decision am I doing this deciding to do something or not to do something because it's really what I want or because I'm afraid of what might happen if I don't Mm. I want to pull this back around to you I when I found that my business was going at its worst 
which I don't even know if it was going, okay? There was money coming in, but was it really worth it? I was saying yes to everything. I was the Jill of all trades, you know, and I wasn't Mm -hmm. niching myself. I don't really like the whole thing about niching, but I know it's important. But I wasn't the expert in anything. I was sort of the the meanderer of a lot of things. And I can imagine that it would be sort of the same. I mean, you're, you're the six figure real estate coach as, and please correct me because I have never done anything in real estate besides buy my house just this year. But I would have to think that to really become known as the agent in your area is agent appropriate. Like, I feel like it's not the yeah, right word to right. use. Okay. <laughs> I feel like there's politically correct words to use, you know, in real estate and I just want to make sure I'm not stepping on anything and that, you know, you want to, you might be the expert of smaller properties or larger properties. Maybe you're the country club neighborhood property person. I mean, is that something that you work with, with your clients is helping them really find that one area with their zone of genius within real estate to create their expertise? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the expression where your attention goes, energy flows, mm-hmm. right? Or what you focus on is what expands. So this is a great example of what it means to make fear-based or truth-based decisions. So I'll give you an example. So one of my clients who's a real estate agent, um, I also coach solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, but she's had been a real estate agent for just under 10 years when we started working together. And when I sit down with a new client, we do what's called, uh, I just branded a power start session where we look at where they are and where they want to go. And then we, you know, come up with a plan to get there. But anyway, so we had all of her numbers and all of her marketing, everything laid out. And she was in the game and making efforts, but her efforts were very hodgepodge and patchy, kind of like you were saying, she was all over the place. So she didn't have any kind of clear focus. She didn't have a clear market or message. She was sending, you know, an email to this list over here and a postcard to that list over there. And like this other neighborhood was getting flags on 4th of July, you know, that kind of thing. And she had never made more than about $80,000, which is, you know, good and everything, but she wanted to do more. And she was also considering going into this high-end market that was north of her city. And she was being encouraged by her manager, actually, to do that because logic says if you go into a higher-dollar market, well, you don't have to do as many transactions to make the same amount of money or the same number of transactions, you make more money. So it sounds very logical. But... From a creator standpoint, that doesn't have anything to do with her. You know, where's her passion? What is she interested in? What does she want? And here's why I'll say it's really important to understand the truth. The truth is what you really want. And the truth trumps logic. So just because something is logical doesn't mean it's a good idea for you or your business. And when it comes to niche marketing, I'm a big fan of that, although you don't have to have a specific niche to be successful. It really depends. It depends on a lot of variables. But when I asked her what she wanted, she said, you know, I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood and I've done some transactions in that high end market. And 
it's just, they just didn't resonate with her. And it wasn't any judgment of those people. It's just that she wasn't feeling it. There's a, there's a saying in A Course in Miracles that there are no private thoughts. And it doesn't mean that, you know, everyone can read every thought you're having. But what it means is, is that, you know, what you're thinking creates an energy within you that people do pick up. So, you know, had she dove into that market and invested in that market and put all this energy in there, she would likely get some business, but it's not going to be the business she wants. And if she's not resonating with the people, they're going to feel it, right? And so it's really not going to be successful. Oh, absolutely. So I asked her, what what do you want? And she said that she really liked this neighborhood she grew up in. And the high-end market that she was talking about was like a six hundred and fifty to seven hundred thousand dollar neighborhood, and the one that she said she really enjoyed, where she felt like you know in the zone, was a two hundred and twenty thousand dollar neighborhood. Well, all these efforts she was making, all these the scattered attention she had on different markets, none of them were that market. So what we did, long story short, is we just pulled together a message specifically for the market that she wanted. And we just took all of her time and attention and money that she was investing in all those different markets that she didn't want. And we shifted them to what she did. And without spending any more money or time, after one year, she went from earning 80000 to 141000 And then last year, over 330000 Wow. Actually spending less time. She does invest more money because she has increased and broadened her market. Mm-hmm. But the messaging was still in that niche. And she has come to dominate that market by putting her attention there. You know, we're all familiar with the expression, if you try to appeal to everyone, you end up appealing to no one to no one. Yeah. Yeah. I just this year read lingo by Jeffrey Shaw. And it's about speaking the secret language of your perfect prospects. That's not the official tagline. But it was such an eye opener to me because he was a seven figure, very luxury high end photographer outside of Greenwich, Connecticut, for years, and he built quite the business. And he found that the language that he needed to speak to get those clients was very differently than or was very different than the language that you would speak if you were, say, Sears. Sears is still around. I don't know if it's around here anymore. But if they're going, yeah, yeah. (laughs) they're on the way out. When I was growing up, our family would take us to Sears because that's what they could afford, you know, mm-hmm. and the messaging was completely different. They highlight their low prices right there on the on all the signage because, you know, with all these kids, that's what they can afford. But with the very luxury high end prices aren't even mentioned. The fonts are all different. Just I mean, he was even he mentioned in his book that he would even send pens along with the Christmas cards that he created that corresponded with the colors in the photographs to make sure that the brand was on point. Now, that's something that Sears wouldn't do. People, I mean, sure, I would love luxury photographs. Let me just say that. But I'll pick up whatever big pen is around me to address an envelope if I have time to send out Christmas cards. <laughs> right. But I would have to imagine if I was who you were just talking to, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to talk the language of the people who are living in in the very, in the upper end real estate. Like I would know how to use the lingo of the people in my neighborhood. And I, I feel like I would do better because I would understand. Yeah. So the, the important thing is really starting with what you want. You know, like if you want the luxury end, that's great. 
but do it because it's what you really enjoy. And, and the interesting thing is when we choose and make decisions based on what we want, there's so many opportunities that lie on the other side of that. You know, when we get focused, it's not just that initial decision, but it's everything. It creates a whole trajectory of its own. Yeah. Can I ask um, you a question about that, though? Sure. You know, I'm a mom of five. I would love to have time to get up every morning and get showered and dressed, but I do love my sleep and my I love my sleep more. So there are just some mornings that I, <laughs> more mornings than not, that are lazy mornings <laughs> and I get to work wearing whatever I wore to bed. Okay, I'm just being completely transparent there. But there are people who say, you got to dress to where you want to get to. But I personally... I want to get to the next level, but I don't personally feel that I need to dress to the next level, especially when I'm a home-based entrepreneur who very, really, I mean, I don't get on video right, a lot right now. And if I do, then those are the days that I'm, I'm ready for video, but I would love to know your opinion. I mean, do you oh, think it's a great question? And there's all those talks about, you know, if you're in sales and having face-to-face with clients, like face-to-face meetings, upgrade your shoes. You know, go in with with nice shoes on or a really nice looking suit. And personally, and maybe this is just because of where I'm working from, I want to improve my heart and not my attire to connect to the people that I'm trying to work with. Well, it's a great question. It's a great question. And this is what I love about being a creator versus a competitor and really stepping out of a lot of the brainwashing that we have growing up on what there, there's so many you should you have to you gotta this is critical well there's a chinese proverb that says those who say it can't be done need to get out of the way of the people who are doing it mm. and so when you have a vision for what it is that you want there's really a couple of things it's really a deep question. It's a deep question because for every answer, somebody can create an argument that something else has worked for them. You know, when I was grinding it out and I became the number one salesperson, well, I can argue that all that action worked for me, Right. you know, but did it really lead me to this trilogy of experiencing more joy and succeeding with ease? And the answer is no, it led me into exhaustion, into adrenal fatigue. So it all depends. Everybody is different and different things work for different people in different industries. And hey, let's look at all the industry. There's so many disruptors, right? Who just because something was done a certain way up to this point doesn't mean it has to continue that way. There are a lot of highly successful speakers who are all suited up in their power suits and their shoes are polished right down to the every little piece of dust, right? And every hair in place. And there are people who go up in t-shirts and jeans and are highly successful speakers. So I think that, and by the way, I just spoke in jeans yesterday <laughs> and I was, uh, I was supposed to be interviewed by somebody who's going to be in jeans. So I put on my jeans. I didn't even bring a suit. I'd you know, with me. And they said, Oh, no, didn't you know, we decided not to interview, we want you to do a 15 minute talk. And this is they told me this an hour before, you know, as I'm standing there in my jeans, and I thought, see, the universe is working on my behalf, because I would have worn a suit, right to speak, but I'd really much rather be in my jeans. And the earth didn't stop rotating, it didn't blow up, I had incredible 
feedback, all this positive feedback on the session and many people interested in reaching out to me. This was just, I just got back last night wanting to do business. So, you know, it really comes down to a lot of it is belief. You know, what are our beliefs? You know, if we believe something, well, we're going to act on that beliefs and our beliefs are our guides. So if a belief of something limits you from doing something the way you want to do it, then I would say it's a limiting belief because it's holding you back. If you really enjoy suiting up and that makes you feel like in the mode, then you can do that. But it's not the only way. There's always other ways. You know, it's like people could say to you, Kim, you know, you really should be on video. You should right. be recording all of these podcasts because now you can put them on this platform and that point and it, all the should, should, shoulds, but your podcast is highly successful. Yeah. And that without would, that, it would hinder me because I become so much more self-conscious. Maybe someday I won't be so much, but I'm constantly looking to make sure that I don't have hair sticking up. And even if, you know, even <laughs> yeah. on the days that I am showered, I'm like making sure that the mascara is not running, that there's no boogers <laughs> hanging out of my nose. I mean, even, even without audio, like I still brush my teeth before a podcast because heaven forbid the day that Skype is now a stink of Skype and you can smell people through you know, computers. <laughs> that will be a bad day if I haven't. And it just makes me feel better. Like I, I feel like I can talk more freely because my teeth uh -huh. are brushed. I mean, I can't explain that. I know so that feels good. No, yeah. I get it totally because I hate grooming. You know, I don't like being in a suit. I, I mean, all those 120 talks that I gave all those years speaking like that. As soon as I was out of the venue, I would find like the nearest phone booth, so to speak. Yeah. Anything parking in some secluded spot or going into a public a restroom somewhere and changing out of the suit. You know, it was obvious to me that this wasn't ideal. And I often sort of dreamed of, wow, if I could do this without putting on a suit and, you know, when the student's ready, you know, the teacher appears. When we're ready, we make a change. Right. But I think that recognizing that we don't have to put ourselves in these boxes just because other people, you know, I mean, if you're getting hired by another organization and that's their uniform or their custom and that's what they want, then you have a choice to make. Absolutely. You know, but as entrepreneurs, isn't it the most beautiful thing is that we can create it to be what we want it to be. You just saved me a few hundred dollars. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> Because as I already mentioned, I mean, earlier in this episode and before in our pre-chat, I'm going to the speaker boot camp in a few weeks. And I was I was actually trying to figure out what am I going to wear? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't feel comfortable just taking jeans. But come on, I'm going to take jeans. And I actually have, oh my gosh, I, I was so happy last year. I got a pair of jean slacks. Like they're not yoga pants by any means, but they're comfortable jeans. And I'll take those. But I was trying to figure out where I would find time to go do my most detestable task in the whole world, which is going clothes shopping. I hear you. I hear you. Well, as someone who's five foot 11, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I can relate to that. Shopping is not my favorite thing. I'd much rather be in the woods hiking on a beautiful trail. One of the first weeks after my husband and I moved in together, I told him I need to go get some more pants. And I could see his like shoulders go like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, I know where I want to go. In full disclosure, it was Old Navy. And I went in, picked the pair up off the rack, and I left. He's like, that's it? 
I was like, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted a different color of pants that I already had or a different color of slacks than I already had. He's like, oh, I thought we were going to be here for hours. I was like, no, I can't stand the shop. He actually has to take me out. Like he'll tell me, okay, we're going clothes shopping. Isn't but, that funny? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, really? Is there something fun after it? Because I really don't want to. He's like, I'll pick them out. You just try them on. I was like, do I have to? <laughs> I yeah. hear you. But yeah, yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's really, you can make it your own. The, the thing is, is that, you know, do you care what someone else is wearing? Aren't you more interested in the energy they bring to the room, the energy they bring to the conversation, that they're confident and authentic? And when they are, you don't really notice. Oh, absolutely. Like, I have to say, the nicer somebody looks, like the more dressed up they are the more I shy away because I'm afraid I'm going to spill my coffee on them. (laughs) (laughs) I get intimidated, seriously, because I trip over my own feet and I spill coffee every other day. So I will just stay away. It's so interesting. Yeah. You know, I hear you. In the 90s, I drove a really fancy car because I thought, okay, I'm, you know, wanting to attract investors in our company and you got to walk the talk. And I suited up and I got my corporate bob and I got my fancy car. And I did like the car. It was really nice to drive. But what I didn't like was that the car made a statement about me before they met me. Right. So here I am. I'm suited up, my corporate bob, five foot eleven. You know, you put heels on, and you're taking me over six feet. So there's like an intimidating factor there. And then I drive up in this really flashy car. It's like uh, I didn't like the way other people responded to me. It was alienating. And so now I don't drive fancy cars. I just drive, you know, nice, respectable cars. But I just don't like these things speaking for me before I get there because it's a barrier to having authentic, real engagement with Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. I never really thought about that before. I mean, people really can make false assumptions. Oh, you drive that nice car or, oh, look at, look at the clothes that you're wearing, you know, even on social media, I'm going to pitch you on a product and I'm going to triple the rate because I think I can. And then, I'm not saying to wear your sweats in in your photo shoots, people. That's not what I'm saying at all. But yeah, I'd rather be real and be treated as that came oh, out you know, wrong. That came out wrong. I'm not saying that people aren't being real when they're dressing up. That's just not me. But I've had people who actually thought that I was more successful than I than I was just about just how I carried myself. And I would get a quote from that person, and then I would get a quote from somebody else who knew me better, like I had actually had a conversation with. And their their proposal would be like a quarter because there were no assumptions there. There was just the real knowing. You know, this is so good because it really ties into this podcast that I have coming out. It'll come out early next year. And that's it's called Free Yourself to Success. You know, it's really all about freedom. We all want to be free. We want to feel good. We want to be ourselves. Uh, we want to feel like we're in authentic, we're authentic and in integrity. You know, my favorite definition of integrity is when who you are on the inside is a match to who you present on the outside. And the bigger the gap, the bigger the pain, the smaller the gap, the smaller the pain, no gap, no pain. And that's really the goal is for there not to be a gap. And so some people really love to dress up. Some people don't. You know, a great example is that 
uh, just piggybacking on my earlier uh, example of the woman who went from earning eighty to three hundred thirty thousand. She's in this area that she they really relate to her. She really relates to them. They're in the zone. Well, one day she was in the neighborhood. She was staging a home. She was in her yoga pants. And she gets a call from a seller who says, I want you to come over and list my house. And she said, well, I'm like sweaty and I'm in my yoga pants. I'm staging this house. They're like, we don't care. Come on over. And so there she was in a seller's house, in her yoga pants. That is awesome. Listing. And it's like, and I always have to say, I'm not, like you said, it's not about recommending that she would do business in her yoga pants. The The beauty is, is that she could. Right. You know, and, and a limiting belief would say, well, you can't possibly do that. That won't work. But when she started making the decisions based on what really resonated with her, you know, that's just one of the opportunities that lies on the other side of that. Absolutely. Because she's in the zone and she feels good and she's working with people that she relates to and they relate to her. And a lot of beautiful things come out of that. Robert, I have a question for you. And I want you to fill in the blank. Okay. It is, if you really knew me, you would know that. And you're not filling it in for me, you're filling it in for you. I'm filling it in for me? Yes. If you really knew me, wow, that's kind of an interesting switch. I was going to answer it for you. If you really knew me. (laughs) I know, right? If you really knew me, you'd know that I am. Hmm. I always think of it in terms of what I project to somebody else, not what's not true, but just what is. I feel like. What's your guilty pleasure? (laughs) I'm going to get back to that one. Ice cream. I love ice cream. It'll never go out of style. Mm -hmm. No, it won't. I really, you know, I think that, you know, when I, when you first said it, I thought, well, I already said that I don't like grooming, you know, because a lot of people see me on the stage or they see you in, on your website or your photos and everything. And I'm so well groomed. But if you really knew me, you'd know that, I just like to go with the flow, you know, if I have a shower that morning, I do. If I don't, you know, I just, <laughs> I'm kind of, like you said, you know, I, uh, I just like to be free. Thank you for being so real. I'm like, <laughs> I just had to share, Nair is my best friend right now. I don't have time to shave my legs. I would be like a cavewoman if it weren't for Nair. This is not an affiliate promotion for them. I just need to say that. But I, have I didn't even know that to... product still existed. It that does. just takes me back to my childhood. I remember the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it, it still smells nasty. I was going to say, I hope it smells better by now. They haven't resolved that, huh? No, they, they say that it's baby powder scented or whatever. It's really not. It's still near. And my kids are like, ew, what's that smell? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have better things to do than spend, you know, 25 minutes trying to remain or trying to retain balance in the shower so <laughs> so there yeah if there it's out you've yeah, said it <laughs> yeah and I think what I mean in an event I was just at like I I had good friends there and we did this around the table and and this might shock some people I answered it I said if you really knew me you would know that I have a tattoo of a cow jumping over my moon I'm like, you do not. I was like, I do too. And they're like, can we see it? And I was like, uh, not here. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think I'm prim and proper, and I have a very off sense of humor a lot of times. I have tattoos that you can't see. Yeah, I have fun surprising people, and I can't wait to share that more. But Roberta, this has been an absolutely amazing chat, and I would love if you would share a little bit more about how you work with your clients and where people can find you online. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, they can find me at sixfigurerealestatecoach.com, and that's spelled out S-I-X, figure real estate coach, or they can go to robertaross.com. That works too. It'll take them there. But to work with me, I really enjoy working with people who are experienced. So they're already in the game and they're looking to take it to that next level, not just financially, as you may figure, but really wanting to enjoy the experience of their business more and having things flow to them with ease. And, you know, we are here to be happy. And I believe in in having fun. And a lot of it is about really getting out of our own way. I know a lot of people think that happiness is something they enjoy after they work hard or after work. But I believe that to be whole people, we should be enjoying the whole process. So it shouldn't matter. You know, our, our happiness levers shouldn't matter whether what we're doing is classified as work or play or family. It's all meant to be enjoyed. And so to work together, they can go on the website and get information there. I'm also holding a, uh, I hold a uh, very intimate two-day intensive event called Double Your Best Clients. It's really about not just focusing on more business for the Mm -hmm. sake of more, but what would happen if you doubled your best, your best, how would that raise the quality of your business experience? So they can find information on the next upcoming one on the website under events as well. I love that. I just had Perry Marshall on the show in the last, well, I say just, but within the last hundred episodes, I think there will be a link in the show notes. And we were talking extensively about the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking while we were chatting about the, it was 10% of the clients who were taking up 95% of my time. So true. Like, yeah. This, this is not how I want to build my business. Yeah. So I love yeah, that concept and- of that. And, you know, we've all done business with somebody we'd never want to do business with again, you know, so it's oh, not man. just about more, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, you don't want to double that. No. <laughs> right. So we want to work with the people that we enjoy and who enjoy us and who don't take up, you know, most of the time. So I have one last question before I ask your parting piece of advice. If you received one email in your inbox today that would totally make your day, what would it say? Oh, wow. I think any email that says that the work that I'm doing or the influence that I've had has helped them raise their own experience is always the biggest joy for me. Mm, I love that. And I'm going to ditto that. I would love to know, and you've given us so many golden nuggets already, but what one piece of parting advice or golden nugget would you like to share with the audience? I would say that for all of us, no matter what industry that you're in, is first believe and recognize that this whole thing, business and life, is so much easier than we make it. And so I would, the golden nugget would be to surrender your angst. Surrender your angst because a lot of times it's all of those fear-based emotions that get us all clogged up. 
and keep things from flowing from us and to us. And when we just surrender all of that, it really opens the channels to, uh, to put us into a receptive mode to receive the inspiration and the clients and the money and the joy, all of it. So surrender, surrender your angst. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.